earned capital in the campaign, political capital, and now I intend to spend it. And now I intend to spend it. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire on News Talk 1290. Join the conversation on Facebook at hashtag America's Healthcare Challenge or like our page at facebook.com backslash America's Healthcare Challenge. Welcome back to the show. We're taking your answers to your, we're taking your questions and trying to provide you with the best answers that we can. Get into the conversation right now. Go to our Facebook page, like it, and start sending us in your questions, and we'll do our best to get to them. It is our our episode, questions from the Edie Bellis mailbag, all kinds of your questions on health care and insurance. And we've, we've been uh, surveying individuals and businesses for the last several weeks in preparation for this show and trying to just give you some some answers to, to some common questions. Some of these are common. Some of these are pretty specific. It's it's kind of all over the board. Stuart Sloan joining me. And Stuart, uh, next question I have is somebody who says, I am 68 years old and I'm a caregiver to my aging mother who is 91. Uh, when my husband and I retired, we thought we would have greater freedom. We don't have a life because we're caring for my aging mother. We are alone in the, Are we alone in this or are we part of a much larger problem? Interesting. Uh, that's a problem seen in many, many markets, uh, Sean. Like many of their friends in their 60s and 70s, some of these folks sold their home and downsized, opting for an apartment uh, in nearby communities, uh, senior living communities uh, that they know well. And uh, they're among a growing group of, of seniors uh, with a living parent, which means these 21st century post-retirement years Uh, might well include potential caregiving. Uh, Expectations are altered, and the new reality is of longer life expectancy and growing number of of aged Americans. Uh, You know, uh, caregiving for an older uh, family member is not what it was uh, when this situation was first surveyed many years ago, and and certainly, you know, since the passage of uh, Medicare. you know, and, and and coined the phrase as the sandwich generation, these people are squeezed between aging parents and young children. Uh, that's what it was in the 60s. Now it's the children who are on the verge of retirement or have retired and are still having the responsibility of all the parents. Uh, with the demographics looking the way they are, uh, aging together means the parent and child uh, relationship will be a lot more frequent. Uh, for a lot of people, this is this is the time. If you're in good enough health, you hope for a time of greater freedom. But those with very old parents, it just doesn't happen. Uh, the very old are the fastest growing segment of the population, with an expected increase of 51% of elders age 80 plus between 2010 and 2030. And two-thirds of these uh, are very old, uh, advanced age uh, children who typically serve as their primary caregiver. Uh, we heard uh, things from someone uh, like an 80-year-old who said, I don't have a life. You're 80 years old, and I don't have a life because I'm caring for my mother. Sometimes it's the older child with more health issues than the parent. So this is really what's going on out there, Sean. Wow. It's a major problem. 
you I mean what, what do we what do we need to do as a nation to kind of address that? I guess ed, awareness and education is the first step probably. Well, it's it's awareness and education uh it's looking at state and local social services that may be available uh to help folks in this particular scenario. There is help out there, uh but people have to go do their research and search it out. It is available. Okay. All right. All right, next up, we uh, somebody, this is kind of an interesting question. Um, we've seen so much written about diabetes, heart attack, and stroke. I'm 46, a recently diagnosed diabetic who's working and trying hard to not have to go on insulin. What are other people out there doing to control this condition? Uh, nearly four times as many Americans uh, die of diabetes uh, as seen on death certificates a rate that would bump the disease up from seventh, the seventh leading cause of death to number three, according to some recent studies. Diabetes is responsible for 12% of deaths in the U.S., according to the uh, Boston University School of Public Health. About 29 million Americans have diabetes. Uh, there are two forms of the disease, type 1, in which the pancreas makes insufficient insulin, and the more common type 2, in which the body has difficulty producing and using insulin. Uh, the studies out there look mainly at A1C levels, average blood sugar over two or three months, and patient-reported diabetes. Uh, the authors of these studies found that diabetics had a 90% higher mortality rate over a five-year period than non-diabetics. This held true when controlling for age, smoking, race, and other factors. Uh, these findings point to an urgent need for strategies to prevent diabetes in the general population or seek out help to control it. And it's, it is the major growing uh, disease out there that is controllable. And, and this is kind of one of the keys to lowering overall health care costs is education and helping people understand the importance yeah. of managing their diabetes. I think and you have point, to accept that yeah. you have it, I think is an important Yeah, I, I think the point you made just a, a question or two ago is that there is help out there that folks should go seek. Not only their own physicians and local hospitals have diabetic uh, diabetes uh, control um, programs uh, for people that have this situation, but this is one of of those uh, those those situations in life where it is a controllable condition, and is controlled either by uh, insulin in its in its uh, extreme form or by diet and and other uh, exercise. You know, exercise and and other modalities. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Next up, I'm 32, single, and have to buy my own health insurance because my employer doesn't provide health coverage. Where are places that I can find affordable coverage? <laughs> that is today's major question. I guess the answer we would give is, um, you know, if they are not able to find affordable coverage on the state marketplaces, I think you need to look at carriers that sell uh, programs in that state that are not on the marketplace exchanges uh, and take a look and see if they have programs that may be less expensive because they're uh, there are a greater variety of plans than the ones that are limited to be on the state exchanges. 
The other thing that they might want to search out is looking at their employer in terms of what industry they're in to see if there are any industry uh, trade associations uh, that they may look into for, you know, for plans for individuals. Right. What do you think about short-term medical options? Short-term medical options are what they say they are. Uh, They're good for 30, 60, 90, 180 days. They don't pay for pre-existing conditions ever, which is the way uh, why they're priced so inexpensively. Uh, And they they serve a short-term need of having coverage, but no pre-existing conditions shown on the application will ever be paid for by the carrier who's issuing that coverage. But if they're healthy and don't have a pre-existing condition, is it a decent option? It's a decent option for a short period of time and should not be looked at as a long-term solution to the person's needs. Okay, okay. Just kind of something to bridge the gap, Mm -hmm. but not something that's the answer. No, So to speak. Okay, all right. Uh, One more question this segment before we take a time out. Um, Another person, I'm 57, I take seven different prescription drugs, and I see a continuous increase in the cost of my meds. Why is this trend continuing? I thought the government was taking action in stopping these price increases. Actually, there's a couple of things that are going on. Some of these defiant drug companies are continuing to raise uh, costs. Uh, There's congressional hearings, federal investigations. uh, Consumers around the country are are yelling about the same thing that your your listener uh, has complained about. Uh, in addition to this, the the pharmacy uh, industry just uh, just went forth and put out a, a major campaign to block drug imports. Uh, one of the areas that people can offset their their cause for retail pricing, obviously, is uh, is the Canadian uh, pharmacies uh, and out of the U.S. pharmacies. Well, the drug companies are are uh, in through their uh, through their rollout campaign, are fixing to stop that. There's also specialty br- uh, drugs that are in short supply, and and some of the manufacturers are doing that on purpose uh, in order to keep the pricing what it is right now. So there's there's all kinds of cross currents in that, and it is a continuing problem until it gets stopped. Right, and that was part of the, one of the things when they put the ACA together uh, was. I guess the uh, industry stakeholders, a.k.a. lobbyists, uh, they all met at the White House, and one of the conditions for the pharmaceutical industry not lobbying against the ACA was this this the thing that you just talked about, and yep. that blocking reimportation of drugs, which is actually, that's something that both sides can agree on. Mm-hmm. Like Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz both agreed on uh, importing drugs from other countries, yet the uh, th- that's not possible right now. That's because right. of what, what's going on. Interesting I mean, tidbit stopping. to throw in there, you know. It's yeah, not going to stop not people. It's not stopping people from doing this. And, and um, uh, you know, I've seen situations where there are busloads of folks uh, that, that fly to uh, Minnesota and then take a bus into Canada to buy their meds, or they're doing that online. So obviously this is continuing, but it is a problem. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, we got to stand aside for a couple minutes 
for this important message from the organizations that make this show possible. By the way, if this is the first time listening to the show, we appreciate you taking the time to listen. This is uh, one of the first and the only show that we're, to our knowledge, that's really focused on helping give you the information and knowledge that you need to essentially make these difficult decisions in your in your health and insurance because it is going to be a difficult two to three years. So as you listen to these messages from our, our, our program sponsors, make sure to pay attention to what they say and to do business with them if you require a service that they need. We'll be right back. 